0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, August 14th. Housing, food, gas prices, the cost of everything is on the rise. So, is your paycheck keeping up with the cost of living? And what does a livable wage look like in 2023? We discuss with Ryan Lacanula, economist from the Alberta Living Wage Network. Looking to start your fitness journey or simply get back into your workout routine? we get some straight talk on getting started with personal trainer and fitness coach, Roar Alexander. And finally, dating can be tough, particularly when it comes to planning that all-important first date. Well, not to worry. We called on a professional to lend a hand. Linda Garson, editor-in-chief of Culinary Magazine, joins us to not only suggest the perfect spot for a first date option, but suggestions to plan the first five dates to help you on your quest to find love is your paycheck keeping up with the rising cost of living and what exactly does a livable wage look like in alberta in 2023 joining us to discuss is ryan lacanula coordinator and economist at alberta living wage network good morning to you ryan good morning how are you andy good thank you for taking the time with us can we define the two? I think we've all heard of minimum wage, and we may have heard the term livable wage, but what exactly is the difference between the two?
1: Yeah, there's a really big difference. So a minimum wage is legislated. It's mandatory, while a, a living wage is is a voluntary commitment that employers can make to, to pay a living wage. And a minimum wage is uh, set by the government at 15 dollars an hour no matter where you live so this is probably the biggest difference a living wage depends on the community so each community has its own living wage depending on how much it costs to live there because you know it costs a different amount of money to live in calgary versus edmonton versus a rural area versus a a small city and so on
0: okay so you mentioned it's calculated with regional differences or or you know, kind of tailor made to a region. So, what sort of factors go into calculating it when you look at these different communities?
1: The biggest one is housing. So, housing costs, it, rent costs, different amounts in different places. Uh, we also take into account the costs of food. Uh, so, we we partner with AHS. So, Alberta Health Services goes sends dietitians and volunteers into grocery stores in in, in the different communities and figures out how much it costs to to eat. In, in each community and uh, all the other basic living expenses plus some extras like participating in the community. So you should be able to afford to entertainment and like going to a local theater or um, biking and and some other extras like taking a course per semester if you wanted to upgrade your education.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's, let's talk about the livable wage. And again, this is a term that you know I've heard, but it really just seems to come, you know, to the forefront in the past decade or so. A minimum wage has been there kind of forever, but the 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 livable wage concept in Alberta—how has it evolved in the past decade?
1: Well, in the past decade, we actually started a, a collaboration between a whole bunch of different municipalities and and um, and nonprofits, community organizations, to come together and create a movement of of uh, of living wage in in Alberta, so it has evolved in the sense that um, we are working together on it now to to move things forward, and we're trying to calculate things in a way that is the same across all communities. So before, there were different communities who were calculating their own living wage using their own methodology, but now we come together and and do it together, uh, and and it also has also evolved just because of of the, the different trends. So it takes into account you know, what people are spending habits and what people are eating nowadays and all those kinds of things evolve with the calculation as well. Mm-hmm. And it takes into account inflation and all the different uh, living costs that have been rising recently and all of those things.
0: You mentioned inflation. And, and by the way, we're speaking with Ryan. La Yula, who of course is the coordinator and economist at Alberta Living Wage Network you mentioned inflation uh, but Ryan mm-hmm. inflation can change quarter to quarter is so does this mean that you know our livable wage can change within a year or how do we adjust for something like that
1: yeah like so we actually plan to calculate the living wage every year so we calculated it in November 2021 uh, November 2022, and then we'll release some new numbers this year in November as well. So it, it does change because on a year-to-year basis, costs of living change.
0: Yeah, it's not, not a set rate, is it? Um, can we draw a connection, Ryan, between livable wage and poverty reduction in the province of Alberta?
1: For sure. Uh, often, when we think of poverty reduction, we think of people who aren't working, but there's a huge amount of people who are working and are still living in poverty so uh, that is is what living wage is meant to address so it's meant to address the fact that there are lots of people who are working full-time and still not able to participate in the community or not able to to meet their basic needs and are needing to make some tough decisions or take on second and third jobs and and um to, do all of these things so like if you look at some of the stats the food Bank usage has gone up a ton in the last couple of years, and and a lot of the people who are using the food bank actually are employed. So uh, it's it's a poverty reduction is such a important and and big thing, and this is just addressing one part of it that is sometimes overlooked.
0: Obviously, we're focusing on when we talk about that livable wage, the employees and how they would benefit, and perhaps you know move further away from the poverty line. But what about the employers, Ryan? What sort of challenges do employers encounter when trying to implement a livable wage?
1: Yeah, there are definitely challenges. Uh, and the, ch- the challenge that would probably be the easiest to think of is, hey, it's going to cost more to pay pay people. So that's a big part of their budget. Uh, there's also with each challenge comes an opportunity. And, and uh, there is a, an opportunity here as well for employers. So... One of the main opportunities is that research does show that if you pay a living wage or the higher you pay your employees, especially in those industries that typically pay low, the greater your retention is gonna be. And that costs that costs a ton. So employers spend so much on recruiting and then training and then uh, getting their new employees up to speed and productive. So it actually saves a lot of money just to, to, to not have to deal with that process. And the numbers are pretty striking. So uh, in Harvard Business Review, uh, quite, quite some time ago, they actually figured out the difference between in the States, uh, Costco and Sam's Club. So similar, similar orga- organizations except one paid a lot like a living wage while one paid close to the minimum wage. And the difference was a 17% turnover rate versus a 44% turnover rate. So it was huge. And they calculated that it was about $400 million that Sam's Club was losing on having to spend on on this turnover while Costco didn't have to spend that money because they were retaining their staff at a much higher rate. And since that study, actually, Sam's Club has increased the pay of their employees. And they do this not out of the kindness of their hearts, but because it's good for their business. So it's actually a good business decision to pay a living wage because that's how you retain staff. It's the ultimate staff retention. Mm -hmm. Because when people can't make a, a living where they're living, they'll just move somewhere else where they can make a living, at least move to a different company. But if they can't find good jobs where they are, they'll just leave the community. So that makes the community less vibrant it's not a place where you'd want to start a business and it's not a place where you'd want to live and plant roots and start a family. So you can see that the local economy actually depends on people making a living wage because that's where people want to stay. That's where people want to plant roots and then the community becomes vibrant. People can afford to participate in the community and and uh, become patrons of of all the small businesses in the community when they can afford to.
0: Interesting stats. Interesting conversation. Thanks so much for your time, Ryan. We we, we appreciate your time on a Monday morning.
1: Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here.
0: That is Ryan Lacanula, coordinator and economist at Alberta Living Wage Network. You can find out more about what they do at livingwagealberta.ca. Okay, so maybe you didn't get around into getting into summer shape, but it's never too late to get started to reach your fitness goals. This time out on Motivational Monday, some tips to get the ball rolling, whether you're looking to start your fitness journey or get back at it after a layoff for quite some time. We are joined by Roar Alexander, head coach and founder at Barbells to Buddha's Fitness Health Coaching based in Vancouver. Good morning to you, Roar.
2: Good morning. How are you?
0: Good. Thank you for taking the time with us. I appreciate it. I've been following oh, no you problem. online you. For, for maybe the past year and a half. I, I like what you do. It is kind of a no-nonsense Somewhat at times in your face, but I, I like your approach. So I want to get to know you first, though. If you can let our audience know here uh, about yourself, what motivated you to get in the business of, of coaching and fitness?
2: Oh my, it was it was a long time ago. Um, good question, actually. Uh, I just enjoyed it, and I when I was in university, a lot of people would ask me questions, and there was just they had so many just different people believe so many things that just didn't make sense you know you hear like well i can eat whatever i want because i go to the gym i'm like well well, no that's not right and it just eventually led to people asking me more and more and then i just started getting interested in it and then i started working actually mostly nutrition stores at the beginning and that led me to gyms and then since then it's just uh gone nuts and i've traveled around the world um teaching it so it's just been many lucky opportunities
0: We're going to get to your tips because you've got lots of them. You're kind of, I think, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to different tips and different roadblocks that people, you know, might hit um, and to get over that roadblock. But one of the things I like is your approach and something that you share quite frequently, which is not about like how much I can bench press or how fast I can run, but the impacts that, you know, taking care of yourself can have on every aspect of your life. Is that something that is a cornerstone for you?
2: Oh, yes, 100%. I mean, you know, when you're in your 20s, it's all about the way you look and, you know, that. But as you get, I'm 47 now, uh, but I'm in better shape and feel better than I did. And I know a lot of people say that, but I literally do feel better and look better and perform better than when I was 27. And, yet, I was back then I was doing all the the crazy diets. I was doing keto before people knew keto when it was like a Dan Duchesne book. It was nuts. Um, But now I just, uh, yeah, you definitely say that, yes.
0: Okay, now we're going to get into some of your tips, but I wanted to ask you this. Have you met anybody that you thought, you know, might not have the potential? Uh, you know, it's almost like when they say, oh, who wants to be um, hypnotized? Certain people can't be hypnotized. Can anybody make a healthier path for themselves without without outside help? Do we, do we need to go to somebody? Or are these things we can do on our own?
2: No, you can definitely do them on your own, but it is... It can be complicated because the problem is when people do it on their own, Like nobody does anything on their own. They listen to different people. But the problem is there's just so much conflicting information around that it can get confusing. So I would say if you want to do it on your own, then find a person or channel that... You know, blend with the way that you want to live.
0: Absolutely. well, you know we, we we talked about getting started and some of the motivation behind getting started uh, when it means uh, you know, getting on that fitness journey or picking it back up because sometimes that's even more difficult because you, mm-hmm. you kind of had some experience, and for whatever reason you left uh, the idea of becoming healthier, becoming more fit, and having more strength perhaps in your life. Uh, you do have eight reasons you sent me why most people don't you know, start a journey to, to to toward health or they quit quickly after starting. Uh, Number one, if we can go through these, is uh, starting with uh, uh, confusing information that makes a decision impossible. Tell us about that one.
2: Yep, that is basically what you talked a little bit earlier, that there's just so much information out there. For instance, like one guy, uh, there's a doctor on right now that's telling people not to eat oatmeal (laughs) uh, because it's, you know, full of phytic acid or whatever. And then you got other people saying oatmeal is amazing. So it's just, it's like, well, which is it? Every single food I did a post the other day that said, you know, pick a food and I'll tell you what's wrong with it even though I don't believe any of it, (laughs) you get the idea.
0: But you can have, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The the extremes, once again. This is another one that I am going to attach a question to. Your point is that they they feel, people feel, that it'll take too much time from more important things if they're working out, if they're taking care of themselves. Um, But, you know, on the other side, when you say taking, uh, you know, uh, too much time, how much time do we need a day or per week if we want to, you know, move toward a, a healthier lifestyle?
2: Well, okay. From so scientifically, working out with weights, resistance, well done with weights, resistance training twice a week is going to help prevent things like sarcopenia, which is age-related muscle loss, dinapenia, age-related power. So, twice a week with weight training, and they suggest about 150 minutes a week of moderate to intense cardio, mm-hmm. divided up that however you like into 10-minute intervals, 30 minutes. But I generally tell people if you really, if it's more about the Building muscle, leaning up like the way people want to look—it's usually three to five days a week. And um, definitely, I I do the old ten thousand steps a day, even though there's really no scientific merit for that. But Mm -hmm. it's just a nice number;
0: keeps you moving, right? Yeah, I like what you say there because I'll do try to do 100 push-ups a day, and I sometimes chunk it up. I might do 20 or 30 in the morning, another 50 midday, and then get my other 20, and just so I know that I've hit that 100. So I'm glad. Yeah, I prefer
2: that frequency actually. I like that ton of volume.
0: But and the other one, uh, number three you've got here, uh, people don't know what to do and they don't think about asking a pro.
2: Yeah, uh, that's the biggest thing. It's like anything else. I, you, know, you hire a trainer to train you on exercises. You I get a nutritionist to train you on nutrition. I get, uh, I get an accountant to take care of my taxes because I have no idea how to do it and I don't, want to, <laughs> I don't want to learn that. So getting the information from somebody who knows what they're doing is the shortest route, period. There's, there's nothing else
0: just like anything else in life, right? We want to read these books of people who have written who have been through situations. How about uh, number four? It's expensive. It's too expensive, Roar.
2: Yeah, a lot of people believe that. You hear quite often eating healthy is expensive. And I'm like, well, eating sometimes these trendy diets can be expensive. For instance, if you want to do the carnivore diet, we're eating only meat, and that is going to cost you, especially if you get into like the only organic grass-fed meat. I mean, yeah, that is going to be very expensive, yes. But if you can eat generally just, you know, um, I don't know how to say just, Kind of a clean eating diet mm-hmm. then it doesn't have to be at all
0: it Takes planning I guess you I want to lump number five and number six together number five you've written down why people don't do it or they quit after starting they've either failed in the past that's number five or they have unrealistic expectations that were not previously met
2: yes so the unrealistic expectations is quite often you'll hear in the weight loss world that it should be one to two pounds of fat per week and that can happen but weight loss and changing your body in general just it comes in waves so there'll be like i had a client dave he dropped 30 pounds in a month which i don't even suggest but he did it the healthy way but then so he was all excited because it's like a pound a day right but then all of a sudden the next couple weeks it was like only a pound a week and so then people start getting flustered so that's the unrealistic expectations and then a lot of people, you'll hear, well, I feel better now being overweight than when I was in shape. I'm like, well, and then you find out, well, it's because they were doing, like, those restrictive diets or crazy workouts. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not something they could keep. So they say now they feel better. Maybe they do because what they were doing before was not working. Right.
0: So. Uh, this one uh, really uh, hits home with me, Roar. Believe that fitness is for fitness people. I was not athletic growing up. I did not play uh, sports, organized sports. And so it is for me, it it took a little while to wrap that around my head when I decided to enter a fitness journey. Is that common?
2: Yes. And you and me are the exact same. You see, I to this day still dislike sports. Um, I, when the, for instance, when the U.S. was playing Canada in the Olympics, I went shopping. I just did not care about the hockey game at all. <laughs> so, so a lot of people believe you have to be athletic and sport-orientated to be in fitness, and I was the first one. I got D's straight through high school gym class. Literally, I got D's. I mean, I'm happy to send people my report cards. Wow.
0: Incredible, Roar. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there for time, but we appreciate your time this morning. going to direct people to RoarAlexander.com. That's R-O-R-Alexander-E-R.com. We're Alexander, head coach and founder at Barbells to Fitness, Barbells to Buddha's Fitness and Health Coaching. Thank you so much. We're appreciated. Oh,
2: no, thank you very much. Just up, thanks for having me.
0: Well, if you're looking for love and just happen to be a foodie, then this next segment is for you. We're joined live in studio by Linda Garson, editor-in-chief of Culinaire Magazine. This time out, Linda is focusing on summer love and has taken on the task of mapping out not just the first date, but the first handful of dates, just for you, taking your new potential mate on a food tour through the city. Good morning to you, Linda. Good morning. Uh, summer love, you sent me this note and said we we should focus on this, and I thought that's great because so often you want things to be as perfect as perfect can be, Absolutely. and you say to family, friends, and coworkers, where should we go? So you've <laughs> you you've, you've taken it down uh, five uh, first dates. Where do you want to start with and and why do you think it's important to start at this place? And what's important for a, a
3: first place to meet? Well, I think for your first date, you're complete strangers probably. And so you probably want somewhere like a cafe for coffee or lunch. Um, somewhere safe, and maybe it's just a shorter get-together. I like that, because if it's a,
0: a laid-out uh, set menu, we've got uh, five courses and five pairings, and that can be daunting if you've just met somebody. <laughs>
3: That's right, absolutely. So I'm thinking Alchemist Cafe. Alchemist Cafe is on the corner of 6th Street and 9th Avenue downtown, okay. and this is two engineers turned chefs and amazing food as well, and they just have 14 tables and they're all for two. So What? <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's made for it. Um, and they do beautiful food. Um, it's, it's healthy, but they do um, something for everybody. You know, they do beautiful bowls. They do wraps, and the wraps are made from eggs. Um, so it can be gluten-free and dairy-free if you have dietary restrictions and everything. It's a lovely place to meet.
0: Okay, so The Alchemist. Yes. First date, cafe for coffee or lunch, and your notes there. Second date. You want to take us to the lodge at
3: 1918. Is this is this new? It is new, okay. yes. I was just there last week, and it was all couples. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I'm thinking somewhere local and friendly. This is neighborhood, but it is really comfy and cozy. Um, it's got that cozy mountain lodge feel, and there's a lot of booths, so, you know, you can be there together, and... The menu is full of very familiar, comforting food. So dishes, you, you don't need to ask what anything is. You don't need yeah. to be embarrassed, and it's really accessible prices. Um, it's just simple food done well, and it's done really well. So, where is the lodge at nineteen eighteen located? It is on Kensington Road, heading west out of Kensington. Is it in that new building the, where the Legion is? Where oh the Kensington wow! Legion is yes.
0: I've driven by that place. It looks very. Oh,
3: cool. do go in and try it. Treat yourself to a fondue.
0: Lodge 19. A lot of people say Fond don't, Linda. I say Fond do. <laughs> All right. The third date by this point, you describe it as intimate and with cocktails. Yeah. So, okay. So it takes three dates, is what you're saying, Linda, to, to kind of elevate.
3: Tell us where you've chosen for this one. Yeah, from lunch to cocktails now. Um, Magpie in the East Village. Okay. That's new. It's where Yardarm used to be on 8th Street Southeast. It's like a loft, it's on two floors, it's dark and it's intimate, Um, really good vibes. There's only 12 seats downstairs and and 16 up, Um, but fabulous classic cocktails. And if you go between five and seven, some of them are only $10. Um, And there's a small menu, it's all plant-based food, but you don't have to be vegan to enjoy it. It's really good. Oh, good. (laughs) Yes. I always say, done
0: right, you can't tell the difference between Uh, vegan and vegetarian. Absolutely. Spices (laughs) is what it is, and the expert hand. That's magpie for for number three. Number four, you're sprucing it up with a little something special. Where would you send and recommend for the fourth date?
3: Well, I thought maybe with this, you know, something celebratory now um, for lunch or dinner is in the new Dorian Hotel on Fifth Avenue, the Wild on 27th. Um, Particularly if you can snag one of those tables on that patio that sticks out on the 27th floor, the glass patio. Um, This is really elevated food. It's all locally sourced. I love the halibut on the prairie. Grains, there's bison and scallops and pheasant and lobster, tagliatelle. Um, veggie meals too, if you want. Um, on every Friday, if you can finish work between three and five, is Poet's Day. Of course, this is all based on Oscar Wilde. Yes. And Poet's Day stands for piss off early tomorrow's Saturday, <laughs> 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 and fifty percent off wines by the glass and beer and and cocktails. So.
0: <laughs> uh, I love that. A different a different meaning behind Poets. That's number four. Now number five, I like this one because you know somebody a little bit more. You don't mind if you get some sauce on your face or your hands get dirty? Where are you sending us for
3: the fifth date? (laughs) Well, there's a brilliant new burger place just opened on 4th Street in Mission. Um, Class Clown Hamburgers. Did your mum ever say to you, if you don't quit clowning around, you'll be flipping burgers for the rest of your life? (laughs) 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 That's Class Clown Hamburgers. Um, Excellent food, inexpensive uh, there's lots of booths. Again, it's very small, actually. There's only 24 seats and, okay. and eight at the bar. And um, so they're getting full pretty fast. Um, but they do have a little VIP room that fits too snugly uh, behind the bead curtains. And <laughs> um, the burgers are big and beefy. There's five beef. There's a couple of chicken, a couple of fish. Um, and a veggie, of course, and they're all on squishy, swish, not, squishy buttered buns. <laughs> nice. <the squishy laughs> but it's going to get messy. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting because
0: I have to check it out. Class Clown Hamburgers keeps coming up, and it's got to be tough because there's so many burger
3: choices in yes. the city of Calgary, and they're standing out. These are particularly good. As I say, they're big. You are going to get messy. I can't believe how many napkins they'll get through in a day. Absolutely. <laughs> and treat yourself for the extra 50 cents and get the super-duper fries. <laughs> Ooh,
0: super-duper for an extra <laughs> With 50 With all cents. the toppings. That's That's 50 thing. cents?
3: A- an extra 50 cents oh my from the gosh.
0: next one. <laughs> I think you can get that done. Uh, going through that list again, the first mm-hmm. date, Linda's saying the Alchemist Cafe. Number two, the Lodge at 1918. Number three, you want to check out Magpie. Fourth date, something a little more celebratory. Uh, Lunch or dinner at the Wild on 27th and the 5th. Time to get messy. Class clown hamburgers. Last but not least, it's 2023. Linda, I have to know this. You meet this person for the first date, maybe the second, third. Who pays? Who pays on that first date? And are there any discussions surrounding who's picking up the tab?
3: Oh, on that first date. Well, it might only be coffee or it might be lunch. It's probably not going to be too much I would probably suggest splitting it, maybe, oh, to save any embarrassment. Okay. It is 2023. But, you know, I'm a woman, and I'd be more than happy to say, you know, I'll get this.
0: I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the equality, <laughs> but finding love through food. Thank you so much. What a great segment. Uh, again, looking for that summer love and Linda Garson, Editor-in-Chief, Culinaire Magazine. Find out more about what she does and read more.